We celebrate you. Welcome to Lofty Heights Christian Center, a ministry that exists to raise kingdom influencers. As a church, we emphasize three things. The Word, the integrity of it and its ability to transform, the Holy Spirit, His power and demonstration of the same, and love. Love for God, for yourself, and for others. You are about to experience God's undiluted Word from God's servant. Get ready for a transformation. The church in Corinthian, now Corinthian is like a commercial city. It's like the fourth largest city in the Roman um, Empire, okay? And um, Paul the Apostle founded the church there. But at that time, the church was not the way it is now, like a big hall and people coming in in groups. No, the churches were more or less in homes and in other places, small, small groups. Now, when he founded it and he left, he began to hear some reports about things that were happening in the church, things that were not godly, things that were not according to the principle and the precepts that had been laid. So it was on this premise he wrote the book of 1 Corinthians. You will also notice that when you look at the scriptures and the chapters, it, sometimes it seems as if it doesn't flow. He'll be talking about something and suddenly go to something else. The reason is because he was trying to address those things, the things that were, you know, complaints, the things that were pressing issues as much as possible. So I need you to understand that so that as we are reading, you can actually enjoy the flow. Amen. Amen. Okay. So first Corinthians, and we start with chapter one. Um, at the beginning, he said something. Let me read the first part. He says, Paul called to be an apostle of Jesus Christ through the will of God and Sotanus, our brother, unto the church of God, which is at Corinth, to them that are sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints. And then he starts with a blessing in verse 3. He says what? Grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. That's one of the things that I so much love about Paul. He always starts with a beautiful, holy salutation. And that's something that we should learn. The beautiful thing about it is that as a church, we have a salutation, which is? I didn't hear you. Celebrate you. Hallelujah. So that's our salutation, you know, and it's something that um, we should cultivate. Like Pastor says, there are some people that don't have the opportunity to be celebrated by anybody. Amen. Amen. Verse 4. He begins, to talk, he begins by thanking God on their behalf. One thing I want us to know, and one thing that the scripture has shown over time, is that anything you're thankful for multiplies. Hallelujah. If you read the story of the um, five loaves of bread and two fishes, we'll read the account of John. Amen. John 6, 11. He said that when Jesus had the fishes and the um, loaves, the first thing he did is that he gave thanks. Anything that the Lord has given you, no matter, even if it's not exactly what you um, bargained for, you had in mind, give thanks for it. That's what will make it multiply. And the Bible says there were even 12 baskets full after they all ate. Amen. Amen. So that's something that we can learn. And he started with that. And then he went on to talk about um, 
you know, even as a, okay, verse 6, even as a testimony of Christ was confirmed in you, that you come behind in no gift, waiting for coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, who shall also confirm you to the end, that you may be blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. So he set a, pre, a like a premise, because this was his first letter to them since he left them. Um, it was said that he was away for about one and a half years before this letter was actually written to them. So it's been quite a while, and he needed to actually set a, a good premise on that. Um, verse 10 talks about, if you have a Bible like I do, the exhortation to unity. It says, um, I beseech you, brethren, by the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that you speak the same things, that there be no divisions among you. So this was one of the things that was highlighted. There were divisions in the church. Some were saying, I'm for this person, I'm for another person. And he's saying that that's not the way it should be. He calls it sectarianism. And I checked the dictionary meaning. It's an excessive attachment to a particular sect or party, especially in religion. Hallelujah. So it's a problem and it still goes on now, unfortunately. Remember during the Festival of Grace, when we had the session of the leaders and pastors... And, you know, we're talking about it. It was something that really was on the front burner. How a church would say, oh, okay, I'm for this person, I am this, I'm on my own. Like cliques. And whether we know it or not, those are the things that bring division. And Paul was very passionately saying that it cannot be tolerated. It must not be. It must not be. Verse 12, it says, I'm for Paul, I'm for Apollos, I'm for Cephas, I'm for Christ. And he asked a very key question. He said, is Christ divided? No. He's not. He's one Christ, one God, one love. So though we maybe have different um, ways of doing our things, different churches, different movements and all of that, the truth is we are still one. It gets more scary when this um, division is right in the same church. I'm for ex his expressions. I'm for guest experience and for sight and sounds <laughs> because it's something that whether we know it or not sometimes we find ourselves tending towards that okay i'll give you a short example or a brief example that you can identify um, you know relate with it better i'm going home and um, I, I it's more likely i will walk up to somebody in my unit and say do you have a ride home True or false? Yeah. Yeah. And I'm hoping that that person, you know, needs you know, a ride and we can ride home together. Why don't I cross over to another unit? Somebody else that's in God's house serving. Walk up to somebody in the media and say, oh, do you have a ride home? Amen. Amen. So in subtle, subtle ways, sometimes we find ourselves in those divisions. And, you know, Paul was very, very firm about it. That there should be no divisions. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, verse 18, if you have a Bible like mine, talks about the wisdom of God. It talked about the message of the cross being seen as foolish. The first time I read that in the scripture, I was a bit uncomfortable. Because I felt, why would you call the word of God or any part of it foolish? You know, and then it was like a light bulb moment. Jumi sinned. But Christ died. That's foolish. 
We were the ones lost in sin. We were the ones that walked away. But yet Jesus was the one that paid the total price. Hallelujah. That's foolish. It does not make reasonable sense. A friend of mine once told me a long time ago, and I, I agreed with her. She said if salvation was a bit more expensive, there would be more people saved. <laughs> if we said you had to do something, you know, strange, something physically exerting, you had to fast for 250 days and only take water and fruits, you can't take so more people will be saved. Because the human nature, by virtue of who we are, we, we earn everything. Yes. But salvation cannot be earned. It's a free gift Hallelujah. of God to us. How do you quantify the, the gift of salvation? You can't quantify it with money. Jesus paid blood. Bible says what greater love than a man has than he should lay down his life for his friend. But guess what? We were not even friends when he laid down his life. So it's amazing. The value of his love. It's amazing. Amen. Amen. Verse 25. This foolish plan of God is wiser than the wisest of human plans. It says God's weakness is stronger than the greatest of human strength. So where our strength ends, that's where God just begins. So the sooner our strength actually ends, the better for everybody. Right? Let Jesus quickly take over. Let hands off running our lives. And let's allow his strength to be made perfect. Amen. Amen. Verse 27. He said, God has chosen the foolish things to shame the wise, the weak shaming the mighty that's why a stone could have brought down Goliath if any general in the army gives that strategy they're going to fire him before they get to the battleground but that's what makes God God you know the weak things shaming the mighty things and that's why verse 29 says no one can ever boast in the presence of God in other words, there is no I, there is no me in the presence of God. It's all about him, pure him. It's all about him. And the Holy Spirit said this to me. He said, if you've truly been in the presence of God, you will not be able to boast of yourself. Because you will know how weak you are in yourself. You will know that his strength is perfect in your weakness. Yeah. And verse 31 says, let him who glories glory in the Lord. Amen. Amen. I'm sure you're wondering why I'm saying everything and Brother Dami is just quiet beside me. Actually, we took the chapters that way so that, um, you know, there will be a flow. So, over to you. Sir. Hallelujah. Thank you so much for that wonderful share. Um, I'm so blessed. Um, I just want to emphasize on one or two verses in churches, in the society around us, that there had not been circumstances of such in the scriptures and if only we would be attentive to the holy spirit he's able to bring wisdom from the word of god to serve all, the, all that we need in verse 9 he said god is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of his son jesus christ our lord in this verse one just like um mr jimmy said paul was talking about 
um, sectarianism. It was talking about divisions, finding cliques and things like that. And, you know, the summary of it all, which is calling our attention to, is the fact that we have been called to fellowship to Jesus. And so regardless of whether I like this person, I like this person, we should be very careful not to get carried away into sections and divisions in the body of Christ. In the body of Christ, Christ alone is what matters. Hallelujah. In, um, in verse 17, he said, For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of no effect. He's saying here that, okay, there is, just like Mr. Jimmy was talking about um, the wisdom of this world, um, in, in that verse 18, for the message of Christ is foolishness to those who are perishing. You know, what does it mean that the message of Christ, as powerful as it is, the divine plan of God, when the Bible says before the foundation of the world, he had chosen us in Christ. So God had this plan, but to the man of this world, it's foolishness. And that is, that is where the difference comes in. It becomes foolishness if we are judging by the human senses. If we are approaching things, if we are trying to, just like Mr. Jimmy also said that, if we are trying to get everything by effort, we'll be limited in what we can do in the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. And so the more we separate ourselves into fellowship, as mentioned in verse 9 with Christ, the more we dwell in his presence, the more we let go the things of the wisdom of this world, which are actually foolishness in the sight of God. Hallelujah. Okay, so we move to um, the second chapter. In the first um, section of that second chapter is, is in verse 2, he said, For I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I mean, this is Paul who wrote a huge part of the New Testament, whom God used in so much uh, mighty ways to bless the brethren, to share the wisdom of God. And just in continuation of the the, the spirit of what we brought out in chapter 1 is saying that in order for me not to be carried away into the foolishness of this world while I'm now neglecting the wisdom of God I would rather choose to appear as though I knew nothing what's he saying it's, it's calling our attention to humility in Christ no what, regardless that you know there are depths of revelations in God and there is so much that we need to keep knowing but if we come to a point where we think we have known it all, we are comparing ourselves with this one, we are comparing this one, it's going to limit what God can do through us. So he's saying, I determine it. In other words, it's a deliberate thing we need to do. Hallelujah. I wrote in my note that I, I let go. I let go all, all the claims of my wisdom in man. I hold on to the power of God only, and Christ is my priority. So it's just calling our attention to the fact that we must make Christ our priority. Hallelujah. In the, in the second um, part of it, without taking much time, in verse 7, it said, but we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the ages for our glory, which none of the rulers of this age knew, for had they known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. This is calling our attention to how important um, it is to make Christ our priority. You know, with the world of social media, with the technology that we have, it's so easy to put something and publicize it. And before you know it, everybody become engaged into it, into that way of thinking. But the truth of God's word remains our real source of wisdom. Hallelujah. So Paul is just calling our attention to the fact here that what we speak is the wisdom of God. It's from the word of God. In other words, we are not living by the wisdom. Of, we are not living by what reigns. 
you know, what is well accepted, what is globally celebrated everywhere. It's not just about something being celebrated. It's about how defined is it in the word of God. The wisdom and the truth in God's word is our source of living. Hallelujah. In um, verse 12, it said, Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given unto us. In other words, it's, I think it's, it's just still coming about the same main message that the, we are to live by the wisdom of God. We, it, we, we are to raise our treasure for the word of God in our heart. You know, it's, you see someone that, okay, what, what have you been? I've, I've been busy. What are you doing? If we look through our schedules, honestly, let's just reflect on our schedules. In the past one week, in the past two weeks, how much of our time is really dedicated to going deep in the word of God. Hallelujah. Our society can be so encouraging that we, we get so engrossed with several activities. You know, we want to go to our job. We come from job. We have this one to attend to. We have this one to attend to. And before you know it, the week has gone. The month has gone. And we are not going any deeper in the word of God. This, this, this chapter 2 is just raising our attention for diving deeper in God. Hallelujah. In verse um, 14, but the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. Verse 16 says, For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. This is where I want to round it up on that as believers, we have a life that is different from the general life we see all around us. And we must keep reminding ourselves that we are not ordinary beings. You know, when we give our lives to Christ, when he gave, we'll still see that further in the, in the other chapters. But just calling our attention to the fact that we are not to be carried away by the things of this world, by the knowledge of this world, by what is celebrated in this world, that we neglect the truth of who we really are in Christ. He said, but we have the mind of Christ. I wrote down a short note here. He says, the wisdom of this world originated by the devil and is what keeps men from the hands of God. For it is not, for it cannot be understood by mere human reasoning. And the more, um, and the more a man tries to increase in wisdom of this world, the farther they are driven away from the plans of God. That's why many are still not saved today. Just like Mr. Jumi said, like, if, if they probably presented it like, you have to cut um, your third finger and the fifth one first, then you now fast for 250 days, then you now do this, put some, probably some people will be able to appreciate, you know, the, the, the sacrifice that Christ paid for us is so, it's so much, but it came so easily that unless we pay attention to the things of God, we will just neglect it. Do we understand what I'm trying to say? Because why should, why should a man, why should him come as God? Why should he die? Why should all my sins be washed away so easily? Well, it may look so easily, but it is only when we accept it with the Spirit of God that we can accept it. If we are to reason it in the wisdom of the word, it becomes foolishness. And that is why in, in that chapter 1, somewhere there um, in verse 9 or there, it was saying that the, the wisdom of God is like foolishness to this world. And so the summary of what I'm calling our attention to is that if we are going to 
grow in God, if we are going to do the will of God, if we are going to live as believers and hold ourselves in the church, we must learn to separate the wisdom of this world from the wisdom of God. And we must delve deeper. And how do we delve deeper? We have the mind of Christ and we feed on the word of God. Hallelujah. God bless you. Thank you so much, Brother Damien. Um, that's, um, it's, it's interesting, you know, the things you brought out. The, the place of going deeper in the word of God. Hallelujah. I would just like us to look at verse 10 and 11. Um, it says, are we there? That's chapter 2, verse yeah. 10 and 11. But God has revealed them. Yeah. Yes, exactly. I want us to, yeah, I want you to see it. These are the things God has revealed to us by His Spirit. He says, the Spirit searches all things, yea, the deep things. Pastor started a series on vision on Sunday, right? And he was talking about how you have to get it in the Spirit first. Before it becomes engraved in your mind. Before it finally comes to manifest. Proverbs 20, 27. Please give me Proverbs 20, 27. He says that the Spirit of man is the candle of the Lord searching the inward parts so if you really need to have a vision you can't have it separate from the spirit of the lord you must allow the spirit of god to brood your spirit should brood your spirit should engage the spirit of god and it's not only in the place of oh definite prayer in your everyday life in my everyday life Talk to Jesus. Talk to the Holy Spirit like he's with you. Because guess what? He is. He is in you. Amplified classic of that same scripture. It says, the spirit of man. It says, that factor in human personality, which proceeds immediately from God, is the lamp of God, searching all his innermost parts. You don't need a fortune teller. You don't need a prophet. Your spirit can search. And it can go deep. Yes. Really, really deep. Amen. Amen. I pray that God will help us to cultivate that kind of relationship. Amen. Amen. I hope we're getting blessed. Yes. Amen. Chapter 3. Hallelujah. Now, this is Paul facing something else. Another topic which had, was brought to his attention. Verse 1, he says, However, I could not talk to you as spiritual men, but unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. He says, I have fed you with milk and not with meat. Hitherto you were not able to bear it, neither yet now are ye able. That's something that is a bit sad. He gave them milk when he was with them. He left. He came back some time after, and they still are on milk. How would you feel if you're four year old? All he or she could say was, da da. I'm sure you won't even wait to that point. Or if all the child could do was take milk. And that's the way some of us are. The elementary things are still an issue. So how then does God give you stronger things? deeper things I learned and I'm still learning that God will never extend your instructions beyond your last act of obedience 
When God leads a man or a woman or in a journey, he hardly ever tells you, stand up, go there, turn right, turn left, and tell you to go to the end. He usually starts with a stand up. If you don't obey it, you're not going to hear, go there. And that's why some of us are stuck. And this was the same problem that this church had. He said, you were not able to bear it then and you still have not been able to bear it. And then in verse 3, he gives his standard for a person or the church being carnal. He says there's envying, there's strife, there's divisions. Did you notice he didn't mention prayerlessness? Because when Jesus is on the inside and the power of the Holy Spirit is on the inside, it should manifest on the outside. Hallelujah. You should shed off yes. some of those things. It will never happen in a day, but the truth is you know that you're growing. And if you're sincere, you would know whether you're growing or not. That was his own standard. I, did, I didn't see, you didn't read your Bible, you didn't attend fellowship and I was like, oh, interesting. Yes, those things are key. But this is the reason. This is his criteria for calling them carnal. Envy. Something as simple as envy. Why I walked into church, Sister Lois smiled at me. And then Sister Peace walks in and she didn't smile at her. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> those are things that seem so small. But they are still the same problems. Are still the same problems. Verse 6, we talks about very popular scripture. We quote it a lot. I planted, Apollos watered, and God gave increase. increase. You will see a kind of sequence there. Yeah. One person built on the other. But the summary is that the increase is from who? God. I remember Pastor said it on Sunday, and he has said it previously. Any vision that doesn't end in God being glorified is not a vision. Yes. Maybe it's a television, you're watching a movie. Or a canal dream. <laughs> but it's so, so key. We must understand that, that each person should complement the other. When you're in a unit, when you're in a team, Paul is trying to say here, don't, I brought the song. No. You brought the song. Somebody's going to back you up. If not, you're just going to have a solo. I cleaned the floor. Yeah, somebody else arranged the seats. We, we had no plans to sit on the floor that you cleaned. If we understand that we are complementers, each person supporting the other, that at the end of the day, God will give increase and only God will be glorified. Then things will work better. So it's a charge to us, it's a call to us that that's the kind of approach we should have in the kingdom of God. Verse 8 says, Now he that planted and he that watered, it says they are one. So it doesn't matter who done what. What matters is that it's done and that God gives the increase. Verse 9 says, We are laborers together with God. And the B part of verse 10 says, let every man take heed how he builds. It doesn't say, let each man take heed why. It says how. So we must do it with love. We must do it with 
respect, mutual respect for one another. There is no department, there's no unit that is less important than the other. Yes. Here we are to God's glory, we are sharing God's word. If Brother Oken for some reason decides it, he just cuts us off. That's the end. <laughs> All the anointing hangs in here. Those at home are lost. To every piece is so important. And I want to say this particularly for those who are in um, areas of service where you're not very public. You're not less important. The intercessor who spends extra time praying for the service before coming is as important as the man who preaches. That's what Paul is trying to teach here. Verse 12 says, if anyone builds upon the foundation, whether if it be of gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw. Verse 13 says, every man's work shall be tried with fire. I was a bit, you know, I paused for a moment when I read that scripture. And he said, you know, he, he mentioned all the things we could build with. So in other words, everything is not always flashy. You can imagine someone who lives in a house that everything is gold. You want to take your bath. Gold? It won't work. So it's not about that, um, you know, public thing. Oh, they see me on stage. No. Everyone's work will be tested. Even straw. Now, if you read that scripture with the mind of a man, it's... A bit hilarious. It says silver, precious, that's verse 12 now. Silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw. And it says every man's work will be tried with fire. What's going to happen to hay or straw when it goes into fire? Even wood. That's to tell you that the trial and the test of God is not like that of man. His criteria, like Bradami said, is not the way of the world. It's not the way of the world. There was a day someone was telling me of somebody and, you know, he mentioned the name. Oh, she's very popular on social media and all that. And I didn't know the person. <laughs> and she said, ah. some people are laughing here because they, they, they are like, oh, we know you won't know the person. God have mercy on you. <laughs> you know, and she was like, and you know, I turned to her and I asked her, she was a young girl. I said, what job does this person do? And she went quiet. Well, she posts on mm -mm. what is her work? What is the impact this person is making on whose life? And she went quiet. I said, I'm sorry. I mean, I'm not trying to defend why I don't know this popular person. But that's where we should be thinking. That's the way we should be thinking. It's not about who gets the job done in line with the will of God. That's the big question. That's the big, big question. Verse 14 says, If any man's work abide, which he has built thereupon, he receives a reward. So it's only God's criteria that brings a reward, not man's. My prayer is that when all this is over, the applaud of heaven will be louder than the applaud of men. That's my heart's cry. That's my prayer. That's my desire. A man of God, um, a very renowned person, is the general of a seer of a big ministry, you know, and God is doing awesome things through them. 
he shared an experience that really got me. I heard this a couple of years back and it got me really thinking. He said he had a vision in the night and God showed him a list, you know, of people who were going to heaven, so to say, like a glimpse of the Lamb's Book of Life. He said what shocked him most was that the first 200 names, he didn't know them. 200, he said he had never heard of them. He said that what shocked him more was that even he was not part of the first 200 names. You know, and he tells us that God's criteria, God does not judge the way we do. God is not tripped by all the glamour and glim. It's about the heart, understanding the purpose that you're to serve. I have written here that it's not about what resources you used to build. It's about the building and the way it stands the test of life. There's a test of life. And the devil will always come to test. That's his job. I mean, he's faithful. Bad, wicked, but he is faithful to his own calling. I wish we could be more faithful. And he's persistent. One day, I found myself saying, oh, God, give me the persistence of the devil. <laughs> really, he's extremely persistent. The Bible says the thief, the thief comes to do what? Kill, steal, destroy. But he says, I am come. Hallelujah. That you may have life and have it more abundantly. We must be persistent and deliberate in staying on our course fulfilling his purpose in us and how do we know that purpose the deep things your spirit searching the deep things of god Hallelujah. amen verse 16 know ye not that you are the temple of god and that the spirit of god dwells in you so you are the new testament ark in the old testament the presence of god was in the ark and it was carried from here and there. And we've read about all the awesome things that happened wherever the ark of God was. But now you, me, we are the ark. We are the temple of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The ark was so sacred back then. Second Samuel 6, 3 to 7. Um, it talked about, you know, when the ark was being moved. And there was a particular time. It says that um, Uzziah put out his hand. Because the ark of God shook. So it's like it was about to fall and he decided to help God, you know. And he stretched out his hand. And the Bible says that God was angry and smote him. The first time I read that scripture, I felt, was that really fair? I mean, the guy was just trying to help God. It sounds odd, right? But we do that every day. Help God. We assist God. God, you're not really doing it okay. Let's, let's take over. We are skilled. In my own way in my own time, you know. And the Spirit of God said to me, he said, if I can be that severe about protecting my ark in the Old Testament, how much more my New Testament ark? Who is you and me? You can, God will go to any lengths 
to save you, to rescue you. God will go to any length to bring to pass his word. All he needs is to be sure that you are his temple. Sometimes when praying, just lift up your hands. You, you don't know what to do. You're in the middle of a controversy or something. Just say, Holy Spirit, content for your temple. It's, it's your temple. Fight for your temple. First Corinthians, um, Chronicles 16 verse 12 says, Touch not my anointed, do my prophets no harm. So God is mindful about you and about me. He's so, so mindful of it. Verse 17. He says, If any man defile the temple of God, him shall God destroy. For the temple of God is holy, which temple ye are. The key part here is any man. Guess what? That includes even you. If you decide to destroy the temple of God, God has given us a life. It's a privilege. Every day you wake up, it's a privilege. Each time we wake up and you look at yourself in the mirror, it, make, it means two things. One, you're not perfect. God doesn't keep perfect people on this side. Two, you're not useless. God doesn't keep useless people either. There's something about you that is a piece of the big puzzle. You're part of the grand design. So we must be mindful of that and carry ourselves in that way. We must carry ourselves as people that know that we are the container of the Holy Spirit. I pray that God will enlighten this word in our hearts in Jesus' name. Brother Dami. There are such a lot of wisdom in what you've shared, man. Thank you so much. I just want to put a summary on it in that chapter 3. And if we look at it, we'll see that it's going along from where he started from in chapter 1 and in chapter 2. And in now in chapter 3, he's calling our attention. I just picked out like a couple of summaries, which are some of the things um, Mr. Jumi has shared with us. The first one is in verse... Um, in verse 3, he said, For where there are envy strife and divisions among you are you not carnal so it's, it's addressing carnality that it's not it's not negotiable god is not pleased with it and so we may say also oh, what what is carnality in my own life the summary is simple anything that is not in line with god's word mr jimmy was telling us how we could try to help god how we could okay this is god's plan for me and i think now is the time what is the plan of God. What time does God want it to happen? We need to be attentive to the plans of God. And so anything that, it, carnality, it, the, the key ones are the ones he's talking about, like strive among us and things like that. But even in any way that we do things that are outside the plans of God, it's carnality. So in the summary of what I picked out here is that Christ is the foundation. And so any other, any other building that amongst the brethren any other anything that we do that is not rooted on the foundation of christ is carnality and so christ is the foundation now on that foundation we all have our places to build now as one is building one is watering as one is um cleaning the floor one is arranging the chair in in verse 
think verse 14 he said if anyone's work which he has built on it endures he will receive a reward what's he saying as we all are doing we we need to do it faithfully wholeheartedly as unto the lord not unto any man and as long as we are building it on the foundation of christ whether you are being seen publicly or it's in um, secret places like minister jimmy has said god is the ultimate rewarder hallelujah and so as one is building one is watering that, that one of the points i also saw is that god is the one that brings forth the increase hallelujah and so in, in verse 18 he said let no one deceive himself if anyone among you seems to be wise in this age did you see that that's from nkjv if anyone among you seems to be wise in this age let him become a fool that he may become wise when i read that i was like god how could i deliberately become a fool i mean if anyone seems in other words is actually not wise but he seems to be wise because of the estimations because of the way of judgment of things around so how can i become a fool in order for me to become wise it's simple by adhering to the word of god i become a fool by letting go of the ways of the world by the, by letting go of the things of the world so we, we are seeing here that carnality is addressing um, strive is addressing um, immorality is addressing all sort of things but beyond that talking about our building on this foundation of Christ we must be very careful and in that example you gave about the Old Testament you know this act was about to fall down and this guy thought okay I should you know when you read it you just like ah, God that's unfair how could somebody want to help you and you kill him like that it's as simple as that God is so straightforward in the Old Testament, the laws are given. The, 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 the guidelines are given. It wasn't as if God just did that. There was a guideline. You are not supposed to touch it. And so, now talking about we are now the temple of God. We are now the ark. It means in everything that concerns our life, in our career, in our family, in everything that is about us, we must seek the wisdom of God. We must deliberately become foolish in the wisdom of this world. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise the Lord. Yeah. Okay, now we move to um, the next chapter, chapter 4. Hallelujah. Amen. He said in verse 1, Let a man so consider us servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. In verse 2, Moreover, it is required in stewards that one be found faithful. Like I mentioned, we, we see that Paul is addressing several things in the corinthian church and in each of the chapter is moving to different sections different areas in chapter three he just established that okay you want to build you want to build in in, in the first chapter and verse two it was saying that there should be no sectarianism there should be no divisions we should not have cliques now after we have resolved that we are talking about okay there is no cliques but we want to build for god we must build on the foundation of christ each of us must do whichever way we are doing. We must do it faithfully. We must know that we, we should become foolish to the things of this world and become wise in God by dwelling on God's word because God is the one that rewards. It's one that sees how we do it. So Paul may um, plant, Apollos may water, but it is God that brings forth the increase. Now we are moving to the fourth one, to the fourth chapter and here is, is addressing the fact that how, how do we some of the people that are esteemed that are placed in positions to serve as ministers how should we deal with them you know reading through the entire chapter i saw like 
Paul establishing a balance, he was first addressing the ministers themselves. He was like, we are, we are servants of Christ. In every, in every level of position and every level of um, opportunity we have to serve, we must do it faithfully as unto the Lord. We are not to do it as the men of this world. We are not like um, a politician. We are not trying to do things to entice people. The will of God, which we still saw from chapter 3, should remain our priority. Hallelujah. And also, it now strikes the balance in the sense that, okay, these men, they have been esteemed by God. They have been placed in position to serve. And they are being humble. They are serving as servants of Christ. What about we, to whom they are leading? How should we deal with them? Should we now um, treat them? Should we maltreat them? Should we disrespect them? No. He's saying the fact that they are servants of Christ does not mean that we should disregard them. We should not um, maltreat them. We should honor them in everything we do as unto the Lord. If we look at um, verse 5, it says, Therefore judge nothing before the time until the Lord comes, who will both bring to light the hidden things of darkness and reveal the counsels of the heart. Then each one's praise will come from and we see that each one's praise will come from God. God is the one that judges our services. And so we must do everything we do as unto the Lord in the body of Christ. Hallelujah. We are not, we are not to disregard those placed ahead of us. They are servants of Christ, yes. But they are to be honored. Because it's such a huge sacrifice to be in such um, positions. Hallelujah. I have a short note here in verse 2. I said, it is required in stewards that one be found faithful ministers are servants of christ not mere leaders as of the world okay in in the later part verse six downwards he said in verse seven for who make you differ from another and what do you have that you did not receive now if you did indeed receive it why do you boast as if you had not received it you know now like i said he's addressing some key areas he's addressing leadership he's addressing servanthood he's challenging us that you have been gifted with this gift you are to serve with this gift you know when we see everything we have as coming from the lord paul is saying that it will help us to let go the pride when we receive it as it is by the grace of god that if i'm even sweeping the ground if i'm arranging the chairs if what about some people that are dwelling in some places of darkness that they do not even have the light for me to catch the light of god that i can even come and gather amongst brethren is a great privilege and so when we see everything that is given unto us as a gift as a privilege from god it will help us let go of all the pride of all the arguments of all the strives hallelujah Man. I also have here that uh, we will have no reason to be, to be proud if we tend to ascribe all we have and are to the grace of God. As our thanksgiving for all he has done, we must be willing to serve sacrificial unto the Lord. Hallelujah. We must be willing to serve sacrificially and that's, that's, the, that's the key point. Whether we are the, the, the leaders or whether they are, we are the ones that is serving along with leaders. You know, we have established in chapter 3 that one will plant, another one will um, water. So in whatever way we are doing, we must do it as a sacrifice unto the Lord. Like, Lord, I'm so grateful for 
the privilege of even knowing you. Hallelujah. In verse 10, it says, We are fools for Christ's sake, but you are wise in Christ. We are weak, but you are strong. You are distinguished, but we are dishonored. Hallelujah. verse 14 I do not write these things to shame you but as my beloved children I warn you for though you might have 10,000 instructors in Christ yet you do not have many fathers hallelujah this this is a very crucial part like I said Paul in each of these chapters is addressing specific things I'm, I'm saying this over and over just to reemphasize it in our mind and pay attention to each of the key lessons that God is giving unto us. So now he's addressing the dealings that go on amongst us between leaders and followers, between servants, between um, those that have been led and things like that. He's bringing out a particular point here that I'm very, very much interested in. He said in verse 15, for though you might have 10,000 instructors in Christ. What does that mean? Do you might have 10,000 instructors in Christ. In other words, Christ has enabled all of us to teach the word. There will be several preachers. There will be several teachers. There will be several instructors. But there is a key difference that Paul is pointing out here. He said, yet you do not have many fathers. I want to ask us, what is the difference between an instructor and a father? An instructor is the one preaching the word. Is the one teaching the word. We have several instructors. But in teaching about leadership and servanthood, about honoring leaders, Paul is calling our attention to this very crucial point. We must have fathers, not just instructors. What is the difference between instructors? Instructors is teaching that word. A father is, and I will, I will, we will look at one or two scriptures. That's in Galatians chapter 4, verse 19. Can we quickly um, have that? Galatians 4, 19. Okay, um, let's remember that it's still Paul writing here. He said, my little children, for whom I labor in birth, again until Christ is formed in you. Okay, so he's, he's talking about, he's showing a kind of relationship that he's having with some specific persons. Okay, let's also look into 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 10 and 11. Hallelujah. We are bringing out a point here, the difference between you know, while addressing the relationships we have with our leaders, the difference between instructors and fathers. In First Thessalonians 2, the relationship with us, such that they can leave the world as models that we can see. You know, sometimes you study a part of scripture and you are wondering, how, how on earth can I relate with this? But it becomes simpler for you if you have close, direct relationship with someone that is not just teaching you, but is living that portion of scripture and you can see it that wow this is a model of what the word of God is saying Paul is point, calling our attention to that fact here that fathers they live as models of the word that is being taught to us and then in verse 11 he said as you know how we exalted and comforted and charged every one of you as a father does his own children he's showing us here that fathers you know when you when you see when you are walking on the street and you see some kids, they are walking down the street, some of them want to cross the road. And you, no, no, don't cross the road that way, something. You can give an instruction, instruction that way, right? 
but there is a depth of instruction that you can't just give to any kid that you meet on the road. When you have your own kid at home, there are some times that my kid asks for something. Daddy, can we take this thing? I bought it for them. It is for them. But for no other reason but just to let them know that it is not every time you ask for something that you must receive it. I will just tell them, no, I will give it to you later. That is the difference between an instructor who we meet maybe outside, whom we meet here, who teaches it, who says it, and someone that is leaving it for us to follow, for us to catch. Hallelujah. So he's saying, as you know how we exalted you, we did not just exalt you. We comforted you. Then we charged you. Because the word of God sometimes is going to be difficult. You find sometimes, how do I leave this? How do I handle this? this? You know, you know that this is what God wants me to do. But you are finding it difficult to align yourself with it. That is the role of fathers. And Paul is calling our attention to the fact that beyond having instructors, we must, in humility, have fathers that can charge us, that can comfort us, that can live as models that we can see the manifestation of the word of God. Hallelujah. Lastly, in, um, in verse 20, he said, um, for the kingdom of God is not in word, but in power. Hallelujah. The kingdom of God is not in word. Let me quickly read a, a short part of what I have here. He said, there are instructors, but we must carefully and humbly have fathers in Christ who can closely nurture us by God's word through the gospel. Beyond the teachings of instructors, fathers help to exhort, to comfort, and charge us unto growth. Hallelujah. Then this pattern of love, humble learning, and sacrificial service leading, sacrificial service leading should be our patterns from the diverse levels of leadership. So the summary of what I'm bringing out here is that in chapter 3, Paul just established that Christ must remain the foundation. In whatever gifting, in whatever way we are doing, we all must keep doing it as unto the Lord, knowing that God is the one that brings increase. Now he's giving us wisdom in chapter 4 in how we do these things. At the, at the different levels of our leadership, we must be humble to accept fatherhood. Hallelujah. We must, you know, when you, when you have instructors, it's not all in all things that instructors can rebuke you on. Because instructor has given the word out, has given the teaching out. A father will confront you when you are going astray. A father will tell you that this thing you are doing is not in line with God's word. Hallelujah. And so Paul is calling our attention to humility in our different levels of leadership. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Thank you so much for that, Brother Dami. Um, it's, it's interesting that, you know, he spent more time on that, but it's something that has cost um, quite a lot in the body of Christ, understanding that difference, father and instructors and all that, and how to relate, you know. And there was a key word he used, you know, he said in humility. Uh, a person who is prideful, you can't have a spiritual father, it can't work. And I've seen it happen over and over again. Um, a person goes out of order, somebody who bettered you, because if you see that scripture, when Paul was talking about it, you know, and he said in verse 15, if we look at it once more, it says you have 10,000 instructors in Christ, yet you have me. Yet have you not many fathers? For in Christ Jesus, I have begotten you. That's the criteria of a father. It's like an earthly father. And then I tell people, you don't change fathers. If a year goes by and you have 50 fathers, 
you, you need a DNA test. We need to know who begat you. And the hallmark of a father is that he can correct. Sometimes it might be hard, sometimes, but God will give us the grace to see the love behind it. Um, you know, to see the heart with which it's done. Sometimes the word of God is not, or the, 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 the word from the pulpit may not be, bless you, you are blessed, go forth, it is waiting for you outside. It may just be a rebuke. But if you take it with the heart, take it with a heart that God has sent me here, this is my house. What will you say to a kid who has an argument with his father and goes out and doesn't come back? And moves to another. And moves to another <laughs> neighborhood. That's a stray. That was never a child. So we need to guard our hearts. In your unit, it may not always be the father, even the instructors. Your head of unit may say something and your flesh wants to say, for God's sake, I'm not being paid. And then, hello, you are being paid. Hallelujah. <laughs> Let me explain. You're being paid, but not by cash. Many years ago, the Lord said to me, he said, if you serve me like I'm paying you, I will. If you serve me like I'm not, I won't. So you determine your pay slip. <laughs> For once, is the employ employee that is deciding how much he's going to get paid. Hallelujah. So it's something that we should ask God to, you know, walk on us and walk in us. And I believe God will help us. Thank you so much for that, Brother Dami. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Are we getting blessed? We're almost done. Chapter 5. <laughs> um, it talked about, you know, from verse 1, you know, it, 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 it was saddening, you know. I was reading it and I could actually feel Paul's heart, you know. He said it's reported commonly. I didn't like that word, commonly. So in other words, it, it was almost the in thing, you know. And he says fornication among you. He said not so much named among the Gentiles. That is so embarrassing. In other words, it, it's worse, it was worse in the church than out there. You know, and it's, it's, it boils from what Brother Dami said when he talked about, you know, the things of the world, the standard of the world. We can't take their standard. I remember someone using the word, somebody had an affair. I said, oh, you mean he committed fornication? And I was like, oh, that's so harsh. That's what it is. <laughs> Hallelujah. What is an affair? Oh, it was just a fling. What is a fling? <laughs> You know, and sometimes we need to see it like that. Back home, there's a way we say it. We say, we call a spade a spade, not an agricultural implement. Because there are so many agricultural implements. So we call it what it actually is. And it's not just for the sake of naming, but it helps you see that the enemy is out to destroy you. It helps you see how important and how grave it is, you know. And he says that we are puffed up, you know. He mentioned that in verse 2. And he talked about, yeah. He said, and ye are puffed up and have not rather mourned that he had done this deed. Might be taken away from among you. In other words, Paul said we can't, we can't tolerate it. 
But God is not trying to say, or um, Paul is not trying to say, kick the person out of church. No. He's trying to say, don't condone it. Love the person, hate the sin. Because that's what Jesus did for all of us. Sometimes it's easy to point a finger at somebody fighting with an addiction until God shows you yours. It may not be a big, in quote, addiction. Some of us were addicted to series, TV series. Until the last episode, the last, you won't pray, you can't do anything. It's an addiction. The same way someone goes after drugs and has to take it or you have withdrawal. You have withdrawal symptoms. Oh, yes. I will tell you the story of myself many years ago. There was a series I was watching and I loved it so much that there was a day I missed an episode. And the next day, I was crying. Back then, we didn't have this, you know, playback. They couldn't, so it was lost. <laughs> And I was pained. I actually, tears came down. I, I'm not someone who cries so easily. So tears came down my eyes because I missed an episode. And after that, you know, I, I looked at myself and I was like, wow, really? I was addicted. So the same way a guy is shaking a needle, shooting up drugs into his arms. That's how I was shaking because I missed. So we are both addicts. And I made a vow. Never again. <laughs> so help me, God. <laughs> but what, what am I trying to say? God is trying to say here that there are some things that will not be tolerated. And I don't know about you. When someone corrects me, I see it as a privilege. Because a correction today will prevent me falling into a pit tomorrow. So I can as well walk up to that person and say, Thank you, you saved my life. And that's how I want us to see correction, mutual correction. It's one thing to ask God for the wisdom to know how to do it right. But even when it comes harder than you think it should come, I think you can actually take the lesson and move ahead. Let's have that kind of, you know, behavior, that kind of attitude. And I pray that God will help us. Verse 6 to verse 8, it talked about glorying of self, glorying in yourself. It says, your glorying is not good. It says, do you not know that a little leaven leavens the whole lump? It says, let us keep up the feast, not with the old leaven, nor with the leaven of malice and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. This is the hallmark of Christian living. This is the hallmark of Christian service. Please give me Leviticus 2, verse 11. The Old Testament is like, it gives like a shadow. So there's nothing in the New Testament that doesn't have a reference in the Old. And I want to show us something. He talked about the grain offering. You know, back then there were all sorts of offerings. He talked about the grain offering. He says, the great offering which you bring to the Lord shall be made with leaven, for you shall not burn no liver nor any honey in an offering to the Lord made by fire. And he said that you will not burn any liver or honey. Question, what is living in this context? Yeast. What does yeast do? It causes the bread to what? Rise. So in other words, 
yeast gives a picture of an overbloated piece of dough. So yeast makes it fake. Permit me to use that word. And God is saying here that fake service is not acceptable. What is fake service? Your head of unit is coming, so you get up and you do like you're acting. As soon as she walks away, you disappear. Go to Timmy's. Names withheld for security reasons. Hallelujah. There's nothing wrong in going. Please don't get me wrong. But I'm just trying to say that if your HOD is there or not, or pastor is there or not, you should actually serve the same way. That's what I mean. Amen. Amen. So please, don't come after me, please, after this service. <laughs> but that's the message. We cannot do that. He says, anything with living or with honey. What is honey? It's an artificial, a natural, but it's a sweetener. So God is trying to say, when we serve, don't sugarcoat anything. Don't put any oil around it. Just come as you are. You're on stage, you're taking praise worship, and you feel you want to kneel down and just worship this beautiful God you love. But guess what? You're like, oh my God, oh, if I knew, how would I get up? Will my heels be able to hold me? Who would I support? <laughs> that is honey service. Hallelujah. That's honey service. And it comes in various and many other ways. You sit down, and pastor comes in. When he comes in, then you get up and start arranging the chairs. Why? Pastor is around. What if he's not there? Is the service for man or for God? Who are we looking at? Who are we copying? Who are we following after? And Paul had to bring this to their attention that anything puffed up, anything artificial is unacceptable. Be yourself. Be yourself. The Bible says you should be holy, even as God is holy. The Bible does not say you should be perfect. The Bible can't say it. The Bible was written by God. So let us get that into every service. As you're serving, ask yourself, is there any pretense around this service? I remember somebody who used to, you know, minister many years ago. I knew him. A brother and you know when he's ministering with everything you know in the, he gives everything and one day for some reason he got a ring a gold ring and it was a you know these huge rings that are really big and sometimes when he's ministering before he does this a lot he would just eat himself i mean it's just something he does and we were all used to it and that day <laughs> he was preaching as usual under the power of the holy spirit but he did this, he remembered that there was something on his hand. And he went, and he went, and everybody was like, oh, so you noticed. It's a very funny illustration, but the truth about it is that, is that the way we serve? And it should not be the way we serve. Some years ago, I had a ministration with my team, many years ago. And I was like hurrying them up. You guys, we can't be late. We can't be late. And I was really hurrying them up to get to the venue of the program. It was an invitation. And 
one of my teammates walked up to me and was like, Jumi, we're invited guests. We shouldn't get there first. And I turned, oh, really? I said, so who should be there? The Holy Spirit waiting for you. I said, no. And, you know, and I made myself a promise. I said, God, you've given me the privilege to minister in several places. I'm not going to walk in anyhow because I'm the invited guest. The program can't go on if I'm not there. Sorry. God has servants. God has ministers. God does not have superstars. I will never be a superstar by the help of God. Turn to your neighbor and say, you will not be a superstar either. Let's be content to remain servants. Let's be content to remain ministers, humble, serving in God's house. I pray that God will give us grace to do that in Jesus' name. So um, at this time, we are kind of running out of time. So I think Brother Dami will just contribute to this chapter and we, we stop here. Okay. Yeah. Hallelujah. Amen. Um, just to emphasize on the living bread, in that verse 8, therefore let us keep the feast, not with old living, nor with the living of malice and wickedness, but with the unliving bread of sincerity and truth. Mm-hmm. That's the summary of it all. That is what brings the difference between are we adding the yeast or we are not adding the yeast? In the way we are living, in our conduct, wherever that sincerity of heart, in other words, I'm doing this as unto the Lord. Whether I'm being praised, whether I'm being acknowledged, whether I'm seen or not, it's in connection, it's in sincere. In, in chapter 1, verse 9, there about, we saw how he said that we are established in fellowship with Christ. So whatsoever I'm doing, in, you know, he's addressing ungodliness in the midst of um, believers in the midst of leaders and followers. So he's saying that everything we do, two key things that we must put at the bottom of our heart is that, is it in sincerity unto the Lord? Something happened. I want to pick an offense. Am I, am I acting based on my own human understanding? We should keep asking ourselves, if Christ were to be in this situation, how would he respond in this thing? So sincerity and truth. What, what does it mean, truth? The word of God. This decision I'm about to make, this line of action I'm about to take, is it in accordance with what God would want me to do? Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Finally, I will just say um, verse 9 and 11. He talked about not keeping company with anybody. He says, um, do not keep company with anyone mm. who names a brother or who is... Um, can we have verse 9, please? First Corinthians, yeah. Yes. I wrote unto you in an epistle not to company with fornicators. What it means by company is that don't stay too long in the midst of them. And not just fornicators. Any habits, especially if it's something you're walking away from, you need to walk far, far, far away from it. There's a saying in the world, it says, show me your friends, I'll tell you who you are. But guess what? Show me your friends. I will tell you what your future may look like. Yeah. I can predict to a close, to a reasonable um, level what your life will be in like two, three years if you showed me the five closest people to you. 
If you have people that are doubters, people that think it's okay to compromise, people that tell you, look, we've done this before, you know, and oh, there's no big deal. There's no big deal. Everybody's doing it. No, 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 not everybody's doing it. The Bible calls you a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a peculiar person. You're a widow. Your word, your word, you're different. If the world condones it, you don't. Because you have the spirit of God in you. And you are, you are aware that you're an ark carrier. Can we stand to our feet? Please, let's appreciate Brother Dami. God bless you, sir. I celebrate you. Thank you. Hallelujah. We are going to um, take the communion. But before we do that, I just want us to pray. Like I said to those that came in earlier, while we were praying at Let Us Pray this evening, I just had a strong word. And God said he's going to be dealing with captivities. He's going to be dealing with things that have held us bound. We stand face to face before our maker. He knows us. As our faces differ, so do the things that we are struggling with. I want you to just close your eyes for a moment. Before we start to pray, I need to say at this point, if you have not accepted the Lord Jesus as your Lord and as your Savior, you don't even have the power to fight. So I'm going to take this prayer first of all. If you're under the sound of my voice and you have not given your life to Jesus, you are not born again, I want you to repeat this prayer with faith in your heart. Say, Lord Jesus, I come to you today. I acknowledge I am a sinner. I ask that you come and wash me in your blood. I believe you died for me on the cross and you resurrected and you want to live in my heart. Today, I declare that I am born again. Today, I declare that I am a child of God. In Jesus' name, amen. We trust God that this ministration blessed your life tremendously. Do share your testimony and experience with us by emailing us at hello at myloftyheightsglobal.org. For more life-transforming messages from our ministry, please visit and subscribe to our YouTube channel. You can also stay connected with us across our social media platforms at My Lofty Heights. To give to our ministry, please visit our website. We love you, we honor you, and we celebrate you.